I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Jennifer Justice, who is the founder and CEO of the Justice Department, and I am just absolutely thrilled that we were able to get her to come on today. She has an amazing, amazing background that I know we can all learn from. She started the Justice Department after she was working very, very closely with Jay-Z as his personal entertainment attorney for 17 years. It was also general counsel of Rock Nation and helping to lead the growth and strategy. So she's definitely had operations experience too, which I absolutely absolutely love. And she has been a force at championing gender equality and diversity in the workplace and beyond. And we're going to learn a lot more about that and her focus and what she's been able to do with that. And she is also the host of the wonderful podcast, Taking Care of Lady Business. If you haven't heard it, you absolutely need to have a listen. And more than anything, I just can't even wait to just dig into a little bit more about what the Justice Department is doing, what her focus is, and just her career and what she's learned and all that. So uh, she actually goes by JJ. And so welcome, JJ. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love hearing these introductions. I'm like, who's that person you're talking about? I know. I always tell people I do the uh, outro after the guest signs off, but I'm like, no, I want them to hear because they always start blushing and get a little excited about it. So let's start at the beginning. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a bit more about your story. And did you always know that you were going to be an attorney? Did you always think you were going to work in the entertainment industry? No, none of the above. I was, you know, when I was born, my mom was 19 years old, you know, my sister and I had an older sister. So our family was not somebody who pursued higher education. You know, they were really working class. My grandfather was a logger. People got married really young and had kids. That's just what they did. And so, you know, it was kind of expected of me to do the exact same thing, but I just, um, there was something, there's something nature versus nurture. And I went fully with, you know, nature. And I was like, I want to do more and I want to be, I want to, you know, break this cycle. And I did really well in school. And I just kept saying, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to college. And um, I did. I ended up, I'm from Washington State. I went to University of Washington. And I was the first of my extended family, you know, to go. And so when you do that, though, while it's amazing and great, you really have nobody to look to around to be like, what should I do with my life? Like mm-hmm. everything is open. And so I graduated from college and I and I had no idea. I didn't have a job. You know, I'd been working at the prosecutor's office, you know, to make money. I had to work all through college. And I, um, I was like, 
you know, I went to the counselor's office and they're like, well, you know, you hear they sent me on like insurance sales and wine distribution. And I was like, this is not what I want to do, you know? Um, and so I kept working in the prosecutor's office, got a full-time job and decided to go to law school. I was like, I looked at the TV and I was like, I could be a doctor or a lawyer or a banker. And you know what I mean? I was like, I, I'll be a lawyer. And then, um, I was living in Seattle during like the grunge years and, and I knew some of those bands because it's a tiny place and I would go to these shows and they were like, look, there's, you're going to go to law school. Great. All of our lawyers are women. You should do that. And I was like, wait, what? And so I went to Cornell Law School knowing that I wanted to be an entertainment attorney, which is not an easy thing to get into because you just have to know people. It's not like it's a really small inter- industry, the music industry. You just have to know people. And so I went to a big Wall Street firm first, you know, between your second, second and first and second year of law school, you get hired as, as an associate. They hired me full time. I went and started working there and they knew that I wanted to be in entertainment and they helped me. They actually got me interviews. You know, their philosophy was we'd rather have a happy lawyers outside that can give us business than people inside that are miserable that we don't help, you know? And so, um, I, a year out, I got a call saying this new firm was kind of starting up and they were looking for an associate that'd come from my background. And it was called Cotico Carol Guido and Groffman and they interviewed me and I knew that I got the job that day. <laughs> that is so that's so great. So this was all in New York. You All in New York City, yes. All in New York City. Now how did you end up connecting with Jay Z? So Jay-Z was a very then unknown rapper at the time. I mean, he was known in New York. He was really big, but it wasn't, he wasn't definitely not global and definitely not in the United States. Like in rap and hip hop, you know, he was known, but not like in a, in a broader basis. And, um, I had been doing a really big litigation. Um, I was in charge of the, the team, the paralegal team, um, at Hughes Hubbard and Reed. And we would hang out in what we called our war room late at night looking for smoking gun documents, literally going through boxes and boxes and looking through documents, which we eventually found one. Um, and you know- How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. 
The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So by 10 o'clock, we would go get beer, whatever. And like, cause we would leave there at like one in the morning and, um, and they were like people out of like Harvard, Yale, they really recruited, um, a kind of all over diversity students, et cetera. And so there's just a huge eclectic group of us all within a similar age. Cause they were still going to like, you know, college within three years. And one of them was a big Jay-Z fan and had the, uh, well, I think it was the CD of Reasonable Doubt. 
and we played it every night. And so when I got interviewed, he had just gotten to the firm and they were like going through their whole litany of artists. And I was like, oh, we represent Marilyn Manson and Sugar Ray and Sinead O'Connor and Bon Jovi and, you know, all of these like big at the time artists. And they're like, oh, and the, you know, well, we have this young hip hop artist named Jay-Z. And I was like, oh, Reasonable Doubt's like my favorite album. They were like, what, what, how do you even know who he is? Um, and I was like, oh, I totally got hired. And so one of the first things I did was clear like the songs and music for Hard Knock Life, which is the album that really put him on the map. That's wild. When did you actually go in-house then and start? How did that all work? Yeah. So, you know, I was there at that firm for 11 years. I became partner in three years. I started getting all my own clients. I knew Mark Ronson from hanging out in New York. So he became a client before he was Mark Ronson um, and a bunch of other clients. And so I, I built my roster. Um, I started, you know, I did a lot of hip hop method men and red man and a bunch of, you know, um, uh, hip hop producers, et cetera. And, um, and then I did the deal for Jay-Z to start Rock Nation and his personal deal with Live Nation. And that kind of took, I was, you know, a year for them to get off the ground with Live Nation. And then when they started getting it off the ground, they were like, look, do you want to come in house? And I was looking for a change anyway. Um, and so that was in 2010 that I started. That's wild. And so in addition to Jay-Z, obviously, there's Rihanna, there's Beyonce at, for a point, uh, lots of incredible, incredible artists and not just clearing music, but some of the deals you mentioned Live Nation. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I was never just clearing music anyway. What, what people don't um, often don't really know if they're not in the music industry is that agents are really their main job in, in a musician's career is to book their live shows. And so... So the lawyer is very instrumental in doing all of their outside deals and their business terms. And there's not business people that hand us something and say, okay, now go do the deal, like paperwork, do the paperwork. We were literally the business people sourcing, vetting, you know, business terms, doing the term sheets back and forth, and then doing the long form deals in particular with Jay, who never had an agent his entire career. And so when he started all his businesses, I was part of a very small team of three of us that was doing it all and building those. And then, you know, they would like take them off on a, you know, they would have a mind of its own. So it was, um, more, it was, it was really an all encompassing in their business life. And he set the tone. He was the first one to be doing these kinds of, as an artist, to be doing these kinds of deals. It was seen as like a sellout before to put your music in a commercial. And it's like, why? It's a ton of money. You know, all the rock musicians, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, they would never did any of that stuff. And then none of them had started their own, you know, businesses from clothing lines to, you know, alcohol and liquor lines and their own entertainment companies and stuff. Jay was one of, if not the first to do that as an artist himself. And so I was part of all those deals. Yeah, so interesting. When I think about that and, you know, the music industry overall and, you know, even today we call them influencers, I feel like you guys were so far ahead of the industry as it related to, you know, how musicians get involved. So, 
Yeah, got, people see it as like they think a lawyer, but that's not at all. Like we're more strategy, business development, and we could also do the legal work, right? So it's it's a much broader experience base and and deal flow and and that we had, you know, in general. So interesting. A little girl from Washington State, right? I mean, it's just looking back and you know connecting the dots. I mean, it's just absolutely wild. So. 17 years after uh, being there, you decided to go out and hang a shingle and start the Justice Department. So talk about what hole you saw that you really wanted to fill. Well, while I was at the firm before I went in House for Rock Nation, I just I was doing a lot of uh, ex- uh, deals for the executives. So the executives would get their contracts and they would get their terms and, and we would help them negotiate the terms of their contracts. And I would do deals. I remember, like, I wasn't even a partner yet, maybe a year in. And I did a deal for a guy at Universal Music Publishing. And he got immediately as a senior director, as a director, an entry level, like, executive. And he immediately got offered $130,000. And, you know, we did the deal and kind of got whatever he wanted. And then a few months later, I got, and, and by the way, they were in like an A&R department, meaning they're the revenue generators, right? They're the salespeople. They're the ones who find the songwriters to sign that then make the money for the company. Then I did a deal for some a woman in the same department for senior director, and she was offered $90,000. And I was like, wait, what? Why is this okay? And the partner at the time on the thing is like, why are you have a problem with that? I was like, well, because we know that this guy made 40 grand more. Like, why? Why are we all right with that? And he's like, well, she's okay with it. She doesn't know that a guy in her department that basically reports to her is making 40 grand more than her. So he's like, okay, fine. Then you try to get her more money. And I did try to get her more money. And I was like met with everything from, well, her husband makes a lot of money and she doesn't care and she didn't ask for it. And I was like, that is such bullshit. You guys have this knowledge. And I got her $10,000 more and that was it. So that continued on throughout my career to the point where I got to the C-suite level representing them and uh, got a woman in uh, Universal Music Group, one of their labels, and we also represented the guy. He had five years less experience. She was offered hundreds of thousands of dollars less than he was. And when I brought it up, they're like, how could you bring this up? You shouldn't even know about this. I was like, we live in a small business. And where you guys love conflicts, okay? So it is what it is. I was threatened. My career was threatened by like all the people who are running those companies. It was insane. And I'm like, this is crazy. And it still happens to this day, all day long in every business. Men are always paid more than women. And, you know, whenever I say to a woman, it's like, she, and they're like, oh, that's never been my issue. And I was like, give you, I'll give you six months, you're going to find out. And every single time, I hate being right, but I'm right 100% of the time. So I was like, wait a minute, you know, so I started thinking a lot about it. Like, why are we at such a disadvantage? Because I wasn't exposed to a corporate life until, you know, I got out of college and started like working. And so I had no experience other than TV, right? <laughs> and it's like, why aren't we making the same amount of money? It's insane. There were no books on it. I went to Barnes and Noble. There were 
three, if you don't have big boobs, wear ponytails, written by Barbara Corcoran. Nice girls don't get the corner office 101 and play like a man, win like a woman. And that's by Gail Evans. And that actually resonated with me more. And it's not like you have to be a man. You can be a woman. But there are certain things in business that women need to do better. You know, and it's, and it's like, this is not your family. Okay. Your family's at home. That's your family. What you should be looking at when people are trying, I've, I have heard from all, so many women, well, they really need me. No, they don't. The second they don't need you, they're going to get rid of you. What is wrong with you? They don't need you. Then, you know, and also like, well, they don't really have the money. That's not your problem. You don't own the company. That's not your problem. Yeah. Can we all have JJ come and negotiate for us? Yes. I mean- <laughs> yes. Because also, here's the other one. Stop negotiating for yourself if you are not a skilled negotiator. You don't learn that overnight. Yeah. I have learned that over 20 years. I'm very good at negotiating. Like People get super nervous. Some clients get nervous. We have to play nice. No, you don't. You don't play nice in a negotiation. You play nice with your friends. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to scream. You don't have to be rude, but you don't play nice. Like that's not what you, that's not when it, business is business. And when people hear that and they're like, oh, I don't like it and kindness, I'm still being kind, right? It's still business. And you have to think about it in different ways. Like when people are underpaying you and saying they can't pay you or making you work too hard or, or not giving you what you deserve, like think about your actual family then and go, you know what they're doing is taking away from them. And I will kill for my family. Why are you okay with letting them disrespect your family? Because that's ultimately what they're doing, you know? No, absolutely. So we have so many people who are listening who are entrepreneurs just starting out and their company, or maybe they've already got an established company. Then we also have C-suite executives and other people who are working inside of corporations, knowing what you know today about raising money and getting out there and trying to get the best deal for your company, but also, you know, the right partner. What would you say to that? I mean, I think you have to understand as a woman, if you're, if you're a woman, I don't know if you're major basis, but as a woman, you need to listen to other women who've done it before you and take that advice. Don't think that jo- that you're, it's going to be different. Like men as well-intentioned as their advice is, they have no idea what it is like going out there to raise money as a woman, to be taken seriously as a woman, to be told, oh, let me ask my mistress or my wife if this is a good idea. You know what I mean? And so, so much of it has to be listen to your instinct, grow your network, look to people who have done it before you. And try alternative revenue sources like, you know, because until venture capital can, you know, catch up to the amount of women, like you have to be more thrifty. And the thing is, is we can do it because we control the purchasing power. You know, we can build our matriarchal system where we give each other business and only each other business as much as we can. So hire the people where it doesn't ladder up to a man who takes home the bonus at the end of the day, you know, buy the products that really matter and, and be a part of that system and embrace that system is really what I, I think is the major because it's, it's not easy, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. And stand up for yourself too. But and stand up for yourself and make sure the people who are giving you money are people that are going to have your back, not just that are going to give you money. You know, what do you want out of this in the long term? 
You know, yeah. one of the great things is women actually, all the statistics say that women actually make profits. Yeah, a lot of people got rich off of WeWork and Uber, but a lot, but m- way more of lost their asses. People who put in way too much work, who walked away with nothing. Like, be careful. You know, profits actually matter. <laughs> like yeah. having a company, if you want to sell it, having a company that actually, you know, makes money matters and that has values can matter. You know, and just make sure you're always surrounding yourself with those right people. So your focus for the firm is really to help female entrepreneurs, executives, also talent, obviously, brands and creatives building their business. What's kind of the core thing that you see people coming to you for that they're just really, they need help with? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is basically life coaching their worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's giving experience, and and they they get to see that I've had great experience in getting women a lot more money, and and it's negotiating for them. So whether that is through, I have three base, different businesses under the justice department. I have a law firm, which is obvious, you know, the justice firm. And I have clients like Salt and Peppa and, you know, Amanda Shires, you know, all female artists. And then I have, you know, other like, like Madison Utendahl, Utendahl Creative, who are like clients of mine who I do like their legal documents, more vendor agreements, you know, Salt and Pepper, all their entertainment stuff, um, et cetera. And then also executives like Sam Kirby, who is she's the head of, you know, music for UTA or Liesl Copeland, you know, massive in film and TV, um, like those kinds of women. And I'll help them, you know, negotiate their executive contract deals. Then on the other side, I have lady business, lady business is where I help female founded companies in whatever statement of work they need on a business side of things, right? They, they feel comfortable for the most part, women in general, I feel based on my experience in branding and strategy and social media, but like the real concrete foundation of any business is what's boring to us. The legal, financial, you know, partnerships, structure, strategy, those things, if you don't have those, investors are like, what do you have? You have a deck and a dream. You got a brand and a social media following, which doesn't necessarily turn out. Like we all know about engagement rates, et cetera. You know, if you have a million followers, but 3,000 people like your post, it doesn't matter. Right. And so I help them get that structure and formalization that having sat in, as I know you have, boardrooms full of men talking about this stuff all day long because it's what really drives the value of the company from the, from the core of it. You know, I help them look at it in a different way. And whether that is doing a statement of work for somebody who has a mu- needs a music platform like Taryn Toomey in the class or, you know, working with them or Camilla Marcus from Westbourne, another client where I help be like a, a like a pop-up co-founder doing everything from figuring out how to get it in the right women's hands who are really going to like propel this brand forward to the right investors to, you know, the right lawyers, because I'm not the right lawyer for it. Like I help find those right lawyers that will then help, you know, who've done all these deals and know all these people, you know, when she's getting to series B through sale and IPO. Yola Mescal, an all-female founded Mescal company that does stuff in lifestyle. So whether that's helping with Live Nation, whether that is helping them find a bunch of female founders to invest and use that to strategically market, you know, the product and help in, you know, restaurateurs, whatever it is, be that extra hand where 
they couldn't necessarily hire me full time because they couldn't afford me, but they can do it on a monthly retainer basis, advisory role basis, combination of all of the above. And I do it from a business perspective to think through a strategy of like who you need to know, who you need to be in the room with, how you structure these partnerships that literally will help you through the end. Like, you know, because you set that basis and that tone. So really a support system. And I think it's a a support system, but it's like a, it's more than like, I'm a therapist holding your hand. I'm like, we got to go get this. This is completely within your reach and realm. You deserve this. And, you know, I help, um, I do help legitimize in ways because of my background, you know, and it's like, I, and I am perfectly at home negotiating a $300 million deal with a bunch of dudes on the other side, like something I just did. I am fine with that. I can go toe to toe with them all day long. And so I'll always go to bat and it, nothing scares me like that at all. It's like a Tuesday. I have one of my clients, she's always like, oh my God, you deal with this every day? I was like, yeah, 10 times a day. Like the anxiety of going, watching yeah. you go through it is too much, you know, when me representing her and she's just like, should we ask? I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. You want JJ on your side for sure. And yes, but just like I can do this. I can't do my own social media. I have to hire somebody. I don't know how to, you know what I mean? It's like nothing more frustrating than trying to figure, put a video into a certain format or, you know, managing a bunch of people like HRP. Like I could never do that. You know, it's like, well, I'm very, I know what I'm really good at and I focus on that. So what are some of the myths about gender inequality in the workplace that you feel like really need to be exposed? I mean, that there's not a pipeline of us and that we can't do it. You know, it's all these stats of, and, and these are real facts of things like HBS has done. Like a man can be 70% prepared and a woman 130%. He'll go for it. And a woman will be like, I'm not ready. But on the opposite side, it's like half of it's our own fault. And it's inside of us a little bit. And we come about it. Honestly, I think it's literally the way that we are born. Our chromosomes are different. But also the other half is the patriarchy looking at it the same way. Like I remember when I was... I left there. I did a, a stint in between Rock Nation and the Justice Department at Superfly. And I, when I left Rock Nation, I was the EVP and I wanted to be a president. And so I told every recruiter and they're like, but you've never been a president. And I was like, neither had Obama yeah. until he was a pres- the president. Would you say that to a man? It's crazy. And, you know, the other thing is that we can multitask very well. And I have boy girl twins that are nine. And it is abundantly clear. And I don't know, I don't want to like, you know, stereotype, but the male gender is just not as good at it. <laughs> it's just not. And that's my experience as working as well, where it's like, you know, and we can do a lot and handle a lot of things, but that's not necessarily to say we should be taking on everything either, you know? Definitely. So what are the key things like as leaders of companies that we can be doing to really make sure that gender equality is happening in the workplace? I feel like sometimes I, you know, leading hint, watching sort of quotas and making sure that people that we're interviewing, like, I don't think most women want to be that one person sitting in the room that is on the board, or they don't want to be a checkbox. And I think that there are definitely qualified individuals for every single role, lots of boards, etc. Yet I feel like we've gotten into this place where we have to do this versus you should want to do it, right? How do we get leaders to really 
understand the stuff. Actually, Julia Borstein, her uh, podcast was just yesterday, and uh, she is the CNBC tech reporter. She's talked to a number of executives and female executives. She just wrote an incredible book as well. And she talked about that when companies are you know, really in trouble, the majority of the time they put a woman in. As yeah, a CEO. of course. So they're the ones who have to like clean it all up. Right, right. And then when they don't, they're like, see, we put a woman in. Right. I mean, they don't do that, actually, because they think, well, we better do it because we're hitting the diversity checkbox. They do it because they really do believe that she can do it. But they also think if she can't do it, then, you know, she gets blamed. And I think it's just wrong on so many fronts. But what would you tell your head of HR or managers that are sitting here, you know, trying to figure out who is the best candidate? Well, from an executive level to anybody who gets a contract, I would literally hand them their contract and say, please give it to your lawyer. Yeah. Negotiate this. I had this big conversation with Live Nation actually about it when a woman, she was like, what do you think we should be doing? I said, you should be telling all of your people to negotiate. Don't negotiate for themselves. Have your lawyer negotiate. Because right there, there's the salary right there, mm-hmm. right? And then with the agreements, like my other client, Gretchen Carlson, take out the NDA and the arbitration clause when it comes to, you don't, obviously you need an NDA, but excluding for harassment and um, any kind of harassment or discrimination. Take it out. No, I think that's really interesting. Arbitration clauses seem to get into more and more contracts today. Can you get well, around that? they're illegal. You can't have them. But like I've, I've argued with people, female-founded companies, saying, and they're like, well, if it's challenged then, you know, because it was passed by Congress as, as Gretchen got, and she's about to get the, the House. I mean, the Senate already approved the NDA one, and now the House will. But it's like its application in, in a legal setting, you know, is going to be challenged. Um, it shouldn't be. Any company that takes any person to court over that is going to look like an idiot. So you can't do arbitration clauses now in contracts? Um, no. So even if they're in a contract from like a long time They're not time enforceable. Ago. So they're not supposed to be. This is, you know, Congress. And, and it's definitely in the areas of discrimination and harassment. Why are you trying? Like if somebody's accused of this, especially if it's more than once, why are you trying yeah. to hide that? There's not somebody yeah. else that can do that job? Really? Yeah. No, that's so, so interesting. Well, and I think that there are a lot of things like that that I think people just need to know about and need somebody like you, you know, sort of thinking about that. So being an entrepreneur, obviously, is incredibly tough. You've worked with many along the way. And you yourself, I consider to be an entrepreneur as well. Uh, You've started your own company and done a lot of different things, supported entrepreneurs too. But what's the worst advice you've ever received along the way? Oh, my, the worst advice is literally put my head down and just keep working and someone will notice. I was like, no, no, no. That means put my head down, keep working for you so you can go out and get noticed. No, thank you. That's so true. I also think that experience is better than somebody who's just hungry. I think that the people who are hungry, the people that are actually passionate about a topic, you know, Gretchen Carlson, frankly, is one in particular. I mean, she's somebody who actually changed things and disrupted things because she was really focused on it. And I think there's a lot of people who maybe had even more experience than she did, but that doesn't mean that they're going to show up and actually create a change. So what have you enjoyed most about doing what you're doing today? 
I mean, I sleep really well at night. Like I love helping women understand their worth and train, you know, and getting them more money and fighting for them. And I love it when they, I see this light bulb go off in their eyes. It's like, sometimes there's a lot of sadness about what they didn't get for themselves, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, you know what? I deserve this. I don't know why I didn't think I did, but I deserve this. And I, that, I, I love that, you know, and I love helping them understand what they can be, you know. I love it. No, that's so great. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, JJ. And everybody, uh, have a look at the Justice Department. We're going to put it in the show notes and more info on JJ as well. But really grateful for you coming on today. And thank you for all of your lessons and advice. And I mean, just incredibly, incredibly smart. So thank you. Thanks all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And I want to thank all of our guests and our sponsors. And finally, our listeners, keep the great comments coming in. And one final plug, if you have not read or listened to my book, Undaunted, please do so. You will hear all about my journey, including founding, scaling, and building the company that I founded, Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.